0: Alright, Wrestling with Theology fans, it is Thursday, which means we are digging deeper into the Psalms. I am Pastor Doug Minton here with my shovel to dig into God's Word with you. This week we're going to look at Psalm 62, 63, and 64, to see how we can joyfully rejoice in God's salvation. And we begin right away with the superscription for Psalm 62, to the choirmaster, according to Jedithon, a Psalm of David. Jedithan is probably an unknown musical term or liturgical term. It appears in Psalm 62 and in 67. However, Jedathan was also the name of one of the Levitical singers with Asaph and Heman in Second Chronicles 5:12. He was also the father of Obed o- Edom, in whose house David had housed the Ark of the Covenant in 2 Samuel 6. So it could be that it was a tune that he wrote, or it could be just simply something else that goes along with it. We're not exactly sure. But here we have a great psalm to look at. As with all 150 of them, they are all great psalms. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. On God rest my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice I have heard this. The power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to a man according to his work. So far, Psalm 62. Why do we keep silence in worship or in life? In worship, we take the moment before the prayer of confession for self-examination so that our hearts and our minds are prepared to truly say to God that I am a poor, miserable sinner who justly deserves nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. In life, we understand that there are also times that we don't have the words to say something. At those times, it is better to say nothing than to try to make something up. Just reading through the September... 2021 issue of the lutheran witness magazine whole thing about death and the services around death and one of the things was the pastor being at the bedside in the hospital room with a person on hospice or a person whose future is not necessarily all that certain and sometimes not having the words to say but just the mere presence of the pastor as standing there in the stead and by the command of Jesus gives comfort all the same, even without saying a word. So therefore, our souls can wait in silence and be okay with it because it is from him that our salvation comes. Verses 3 and 4 were the cry of my heart. When I was at the congregation where I started this podcast, many times I had to retreat back to the first verse of the psalm and trust God in my silence. Regardless of all the attacks and all the batterings that had happened, taking it in silence was a great lesson for myself, but also a great illustration to the faithful in the congregation who, many of which did not know what was going on in the congregation. And many of the other things in 5 through 8 are talked about numerous times in the Psalms, God being our rock, our salvation, our fortress, our refuge. These things we have talked about over and over again, and we'll talk about them over and over again in the future, because we still have another 86 Psalms after this one. After this week is done. So we have plenty of time to talk about God being our refuge. But I want to focus on verse 9 for a moment. Those of low estate are but a breath, those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up, they are together lighter than a breath. Truly, there is no distinction between those of low estate and those of high estate. In the grand scheme of things, everything means nothing. Because it doesn't matter whether you are one of the richest people in the world or living in the slums of Calcutta or some other horrid, war-torn place in Africa. That doesn't matter. What matters is... Your faith in Christ. Your love for God. That is what matters. Because that is where salvation comes in. You're not saved because of your riches. I mean, even the apostles had issues with that in the Gospels. You're not saved because you are destitute. You're saved because of faith. There's nothing in your standing in the world, in the social categories of this life that mean anything in the eyes of God. It's all in the eyes of man that that becomes important. And we close this psalm with a troubling phrase, but truly it does not need to trouble us. For you will render to a man according to his work. David doesn't believe in works righteousness. Because he, for one, if you read the Psalms, and you don't have to worry, go very far past 51, to know that he understands that if it's all about our works, and having to work off our sins, that's going to take a long time. And no one is going to be able to do it. Because no one's going to live long enough. He agrees with Melanchthon and what he says in the Apology about good works. The good works are only done because of faith. Without faith, everything is sin. Romans fourteen twenty-three. You can't get past it. If you want to be considered righteous, if you want to be considered something in the grand scheme of things with God, it's got nothing to do with you. You have to have faith in Christ; otherwise, everything means nothing, and is altogether lighter than a breath. I mean, think about that for a moment. We live in a society that tells us to take pride in our accomplishments and all the great things that we do, but God says, "Mount them all up, pile them all up into a pile. They are all lighter." than a breath without Christ it's a humbling thought and with that humbling thought we move to Psalm 63 which is very similar to Psalm 42 but this one is a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah instead of one of the sons of Asaph O God you are my God Earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your glory and power. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live, in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips." for the mouths of liars will be stopped. So far, Psalm 63. Again, very similar to Psalm 42, where the songs, uh, the sons of Asaph talk about, as a deer pants for water, so my th- soul longs after you. Very similar wording at the beginning of this psalm. Verse 3 comes out in our liturgy, especially in the response of prayers in Lutheran service book. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. Why do we praise? Because of God's steadfast love, which is actually better than life. Because his steadfast love is what brings us everlasting life. And 6 through 8 It talks about, as we will in the weeks that we take to cover Psalm 119. talks about the wonderfulness of the meditation even at night. That even in the darkness of night, thinking back to David's time a thousand years before Jesus was born. Almost three thousand years before the electric light. When it became dark outside and the candle flames went out it was dark all you had were your thoughts your own breath and God oh how I wish we could get back to those days but if we were back in those days there would be no podcast I would have nothing to do here I would simply be in the dark along with you with my own thoughts and my own wrestlings with God. But that's exactly what he wants us to do. He wants us to meditate on him in the watches of the night. He wants us to see that he has been our help so far in this life and that he will continue to help us throughout this time and throughout the rest of our lives. And he promises that by those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. Verse 9. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. But verse 11. The king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult. For the mouths of liars will be stopped. And that is the exact point of our praise. The mouths of liars. The devil being the father of all lies john 8 his mouth will be stopped he will no longer accuse us because there is no condemnation for us who are in christ jesus because christ has taken away all the condemnation and nailed it to the cross buried it in the tomb so we can rejoice and be glad in him But this week's psalms continue on in a humbling manner. As we move to Psalm 64, to the Choir Master, a psalm of David. Hear my voice, O God, in my complaint. Preserve my life from the dread of the enemy. Hide me from the secret plots of the wicked, from the throng of evildoers, who whet their tongues like swords, who aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush at the blameless, shooting at him suddenly and without fear. They hold fast to their evil purpose. They talk of laying snares secretly, thinking, who can see them? They search out injustice, saying, we have accomplished a diligent search. For the inward mind and heart of a man are deep. But God shoots his arrow at them, and they are wounded suddenly. They are brought to ruin with their own tongues turned against them. All who see them wag their heads. Then all mankind fears. They tell what God has brought about and ponder what he has done. Then the righteous one rejoice in the Lord and take refuge in him. Let all the upright in heart rejoice and exult. All right. What is the complaint that David has in the psalm? He wants to be preserved from the dread of the enemy. And what enemy? The Philistines? The Moabites? The Amalekites? No. The devil, the world, and his own sinful flesh. That's who he wants protection from. That's the dread. Those are the enemies who seek to destroy our faith who whet their tongues like sword? who aim bitter words like arrows, shooting from ambush. We have the problem still today. This is why we wrestle with theology, is because we have these same enemies. We have these same struggles, and we need to be prepared for them. And that is the problem with theology life in this world. Verse 6, the very end of it, the inward mind and heart of a man are deep. Genesis 6, 5 says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Anyone who believes in the historicity of the flood yet does not believe in the actuality of original sin, needs to go back and reread the flood, because the flood happened because of the original sin inherent in man, that every thought and every inclination of his heart was only evil continually. If that's not the doctrine of original sin, I don't know what is. Jesus says in Mark 7, starting in verse 20, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. It is from within that all these evils come from how can somebody do such a horrible thing because it was in their heart to begin with and the main thing that you have to remember is that's also in your heart that's in my heart we might not act on it it might get brought out in different ways but that same sinfulness is inside our hearts. That same evil, continual inclination is still in our hearts, even after being baptized, even after confirmation, receiving the Lord's Supper, and all of the great blessings that we receive in church. Even then, we are still inwardly sinful and rotten to the core. Which is why we look at verses 7 through 9 of this psalm. And we fear because God is shooting his arrows and they hit their mark. Isaiah 1, he talks about all of the bruises from head to toe that Judah has on their body because of their sin. Amos talks about it in chapter 5. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why would you have the day of the Lord? It is darkness and not light. As if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Or went into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light. And gloom with no brightness in it. If we want to look at ourselves and try to say what a good boy am I because of all the things that I have done. But we have very little room in our lives for Jesus and for faith, and for growing in that faith, that again, all means nothing. Only in Christ, with faith in Him, that He has given us eternal salvation, can we truly rejoice in this life. Can we truly be glad for the things that we have. And that is what creates so many problems for people is they don't want that they just want to be able to tangibly show what they have done and I admire those people who can work with their hands I am not one that is very skilled or very artful but I do enjoy working with my hands because a lot of what I have done over my life has been very abstract whether as a computer programmer or as a pastor it has been mostly either virtual or in words. And words you can't grab hold of. You can't see the words unless you're looking at like the printed text of a sermon or devotion. People want things they can see. And in this lifetime, right now, 2021, 2021, Jesus is not one of those things you can see. Faith is not something that has ever been tangible. It has fruits that are tangible. But faith itself is not tangible. I cannot look at you and say whether you are faithful or not. I can see what you have done that has been a response to what is inside you and the wrestlings going on between your faith and your sinfulness. And I can say, okay... I can agree with them. I disagree with them. Whatever the circumstances happen to be. But we like physical things. Which is why when man first started to fall away from God. And started setting up his own religion. There's always statues and idols. Things that they can see with their eyes. That they can touch with their hands. That they can worship. Because the idea of an abstract God scares us. Because the abstract scares us. But God is abstract. Because God talks about faith, love, hope, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. These things are not very visible. They are not very tangible. They have tangible fruit. That is a blessing from God. But again, they are very abstract in nature. And we want physical. And God says, you don't need physical. Just trust in me. And I will see you through. And that is what David wants us to see from these. And especially, we'll see it next week when we cover Psalms 50, or 65, 66, and 67. Some of the great psalms of thanksgiving. Coming off of these songs of humility to be able to see God at work and thanking Him even for the abstract. All right, this is Pastor Doug Minton. I thank you for taking these moments to dig deeper into the psalms with me. I encourage you to be back on Monday for the Confessional Corner. Listen in on the mornings for the moments of meditation and come back Wednesday for pro wrestling America, your favorite fantasy wrestling league on the internet and especially on this podcast. As we seek in all things in the serious and the very deep things of God, but also in the lightheartedness of even fantasy pro wrestling that we seek to deepen our faith so that we are more equipped and more ready to wrestle with the theologies that surround us today and every day. Amen.